so great to be with you this morning. My name is Rob Capel. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Midtown. It's Mother's Day. We're going to keep saying it. It's Mother's Day. Give it up for all the moms again. Husbands, just keep clapping all day. Just, you know, do like stretch your clapping muscles, you know, whatever you got to do to keep, keep it going for the rest of the day. Mother's Day, Mother's Week. Um, and, uh, and we're just so grateful for all the moms, so grateful for all the babies and, um, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that today. But uh, before we move on, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to continue our worship of God, our expression of gratitude, our expression of, uh, of confidence in God's provision in our life. We're going to do that by giving. There's a lot of different ways you can give around here. You can, uh, there's, those options are on the screen. You can text any amount to the number on the screen. You can uh, mail checks here to our address or drop ca- check or cash in the boxes in the back of the room. You can give online. If you're watching online, you can just click the button underneath the, uh, the, the video uh, that you're watching on that same page. There's a give button. You can give do a one-time gift if you just want to try this thing out, see what it feels like to uh, step into some generosity. Or uh, if you want to give rhythmically, methodically, I would encourage that. This is how my wife and I, we give uh, on a rhythm based on our pay periods and uh, because we just want to you know, life is busy and sometimes we forget to do stuff. And so we just have that happening automatically as we, and it's an act of worship. It's an act of trust. It's an act of thanksgiving and saying, God, where was I before you brought so many gifts into my life? And so uh, I just want to bring you the first and the last of it and uh, trust that you're going to continue to provide everything I need and so much more. Uh, in my life. And so thank you to all of you who give regularly. Our mission here is together inviting all humans to become awake to God. And that takes a lot of different forms and a lot of different times. Part of that is raising up children to become people who are awake to God. And we have a team that's so passionate about that. Um, But it takes on a lot of different forms. But everything that we do and uh, everything that comes in financially uh, goes directly towards inviting all humans to become awake to God. And 15% of everything that comes in goes directly out to ministries outside of this church, here in the city of Atlanta, church planting, ministries around the world. And so, once again, thank you so much for your generosity. um, Your faith in God is fueling the mission of this church, and it means a lot. Um, We're going to jump into a sermon today. Y'all ready for this? I don't know if you are. It's Mother's Day. We're continuing our re-enchanted series. I know we've probably got some extended family here in town. I've met some folks who are here uh, who've co- traveled in to be with family for, for this holiday. We've been in a series called Re-Enchanted where we're talking about life in the Holy Spirit. And really the big idea is that it's the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Spirit in our lives that makes life come alive. It makes life magical, if you will, to use that figure of speech, not to mean like we're practicing the dark arts, but to mean that like that thing, that that feeling that anything is possible and anything can happen, that childlike wonder and awe that we were created to live within. The Holy Spirit uh, is the one who brings that to life in our lives as we walk in him and with him. And we've all experienced a fair amount of disenchantment in our lives and in the world around us and our faith. And, uh, and we're talking about what it means to live re-enchanted in God and in the Holy Spirit. And today, uh, today we're going to continue that. It is Mother's Day. So here's how I want to begin this message. Um, I know some of you might be procrastinators and you haven't gotten a Mother's Day gift yet. 
or Mother's Day card yet. I want to give you a top 10 list of the top 10 worst Mother's Day cards. Can I do that? This is a list of cards not to get your mom. Okay, I can't stress this enough. Do not get this, what I'm going to say, a card with any of these on it for your mom. Top 10 worst Mother's Day cards. Ready? Drum roll. Okay. Card, the the number 10, top 10 worst Mother's Day cards. I didn't come up with these. I found these online. I just have to say that. You are a bad mom. Bad meaning good, not bad. All right, in parentheses. Got him. Number nine, top 10 worst Mother's Day cards. I hope this Mother's Day is more enjoyable than labor. (laughs) Number eight, worst Mother's Day cards. I love you more than dad. (laughs) Hurts. Number seven, top 10 worst Mother's Day cards. You're like a mother to me, but given to your actual mom. (laughs) Be so bad. All right. It's really sweet if you're giving it to someone that's not your mom. Number six, mom, I love you as much as you love wine. I didn't come up with this. I just found it. Google, okay? So, hey, it hurts if it's a little bit true. Number five, thank you for making food for me so I don't die. That's a very literal card from, like, I guess a child to a mom. This is a literal interpretation of our relationship. Number four, top ten worst Mother's Day cards. I hope this Mother's Day is as fun as your life was before kids. (laughs) Number three, top ten worst Mother's Day cards. Sorry for that time I wouldn't let you sleep for like three years. Number two, instead of grandchildren, may I interest you in this card? That's like for the adult who's not ready to have kids of their own yet, given to their mother. And... The number one top 10 worst Mother's Day card. Guys, do not get this for your moms. I didn't come up with it. I'm just saying. I choose my Mother's Day cards like I choose my nursing homes. Cheap and in a hurry. Wow. I know. Once again, I didn't. Don't get these. You're welcome. Don't get these cards for your mom. There's still time. You can swing by Target or CVS. Get something if you haven't yet. Um, Show some love to your moms. All right. I have your attention this morning. Today, re-enchanted, it's Mother's Day, and the big idea, the theme for this morning, we're talking about words of life. Words of life, the opposite of the top 10 list you just heard. Words of life, and we recognize that it's so often, it's the, the words of a mother that are speaking those words of life, the nurturing words that cause the best of us to come out of us. Words of life. And we just believe that God is always speaking to you. Do you believe that, that God is always speaking to you? He has something to say. And that God wants to speak through you. He's speaking through you if you will listen and make yourself available to him. And the words that he's speaking to and wants to speak through you, hear me, are always words of life. Words of life. Uh, can you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning? 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 1, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, 
except by the Holy Spirit. So what's happening here? Paul, the Apostle Paul, has, uh, is writing this letter to the church in Corinth. He planted this church. He has a heart for this church. And there's this correspondence that's been going back and forth between Paul and the Corinthians. If you read First or Second Corinthians, there's a lot of stuff in those letters that is hard to figure out what's, what's, what's going on here. It's because there's a dialogue, excuse me, going back and forth between Paul and these churches um, and we know there's two letters from Paul. There's even some thought that maybe there was a lost third letter in the mix somewhere. And it's assumed that there were letters written from, those church, from the church to Paul. And so he's responding to their concerns, their questions, their issues with his letters. So without that context, it can sometimes be confusing. What, why is he saying the things he's saying? And what we understand is that this was a church that was very active in the gifts of the Spirit. Do you guys believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still meant to be active today? Yes, we believe that God is, why would they just shut down at some point throughout history? The Holy Spirit is living and active, he's moving in our lives, and he wants to use you and work through you in powerful ways and in ways that are maybe different than what you've experienced in the past and things that seem impossible because they are without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so these, this church was active in these gifts, but there was some confusion in the community around the, the movement of the Spirit, and there were some, thing, some things that needed to be corrected or redirected, or Paul needed to give some, some teaching on how to relate to the gifts of the Spirit. So this is what he's doing in chapter 12, 13, and 14, and we're going to skim just a couple little sections of these three chapters and really get to the bottom of what it looks like when the Spirit speaks to and through his people. You with me? Yep. All right. So he says, I don't want you to be, yeah, come on, we got some passion in the house today. Uh, come on. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know, I want, I want you to be uh, wise and mature in the way you relate to and understand the gifts of the Spirit. And really when he says gifts of the Spirit, that translates to just the spiritual, spiritual things. Life is spiritual. Life in Christ and in the Spirit is meant to be spiritual. And he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about it. So he says uh, in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There was apparently some confusion. It's a pagan culture that uh, if one person had one gift, was that a different Spirit giving them that gift? Like is healing a different Spirit than prophecy? And he's saying, no, one God, one Spirit, different works, different manifestations, different gifts. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Why does God give people gifts for the common good? It's always to build up. It's, it's for the sake of the community. It's not for our own sake. It's not for your ego. It's not so you can feel more spiritual or righteous or whatever. It's for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by means of the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, this is a list of spiritual gifts. It's not an exhaustive list. There's other gifts mentioned in other places, and I think we can certainly assume that the Spirit works in all sorts of different ways that don't happen to be listed. But let this list inspire us that there are probably ways that God wants to work through you that you're not experiencing or walking in at this moment in your life. 
Paul launches into a, a discourse after this around the body of Christ, this meta- popular metaphor that he uses in a lot of his letters. There's one body, many parts, and he's, he's talking about unity and diversity as the subheading in the NIV would say in this next section. Skipping on to chapter 13, same conversation, and he says at the end of chapter 12, he says, he says now eagerly desire the great, greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the, a faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. He goes on to describe love, the love of God and the love that we're called to walk in. Now finally, this is where we're going to land today. In chapter 14, the next chapter... Read all these on your own time. You definitely should read them. It's good stuff. If chapter 13 is only read in weddings, we're missing the point. It's a great wedding passage, but this should challenge our entire life. And then chapter 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Hear this. There's some people in the room today and watching online. You need the way you think about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to be healed today. Paul says this, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. What we're talking about is love and power relating healthily through a human life and through the church. And just because you haven't seen it done doesn't mean that it's not God's intention for us. Love and supernatural power fueling one another in a way that transforms people's lives and touches the world. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, encouragement, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in a tongue, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. All right, so what are we talking about here? There's, uh, there are these two gifts that Paul mentions in chapter 12, speaking in tongues and prophecy. And the, our understanding is that what's happening in the church in Corinth is there's some confusion when they gather as a house church, because that's what they were. There's some people who probably were standing up and speaking in tongues, maybe for long periods of time, and it wasn't, no one understood what was going on, there was no one interpreting it, and it was kind of just for their own sake and not helping anybody. And so there's confusion here, and Paul says, hey, listen, tongues are great. What is speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues is the groanings of the Spirit. Uh, Romans 8 talks about the Spirit in our spirit groan inwardly as the Spirit shows us what we ought to pray for when we don't know how to pray. This is, a be- this is a beautiful thing. It's a gift, a personal, a prayer language that God can use to connect you intimately with him and edify or build you up. Paul says, hey, in the church, I'd rather you prophesy because I want the church to be edified and built up. This is all very technical. Why are we talking about it today? Because here's where I want to lean in. I believe and we believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak through you prophetically in a way that, that builds the people around you up. So when we say prophecy or prophesy, to prophesy, what does that word mean? In, in, in uh, chapter 14, 
the definition of the word that's used for prophesy means to utter forth. That's a strong phrase. To utter forth, declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation. It means God is revealing something to your heart, your mind, your spirit, and you're choosing to act on what you think he's saying. Now, note that I'm saying you think he's saying. Anyone who says this is absolutely what God is saying, don't listen to them. (laughs) There's a humility involved. I think God is saying this, and we speak out what divine revelation is telling us for the sake of building others up. A good working definition I've heard through the years is it's both foretelling and forthtelling. So sometimes you have someone that says, hey, this is going to happen. That happens throughout the scriptures, and that's great. It's probably rare that that's actually how prophecy works. More often, it's forthtelling. It's saying, here's what I see in you as God is moving in my heart. And I want to speak that out. I want to speak into the potential in your life that I feel like God is revealing to me as an encouragement that you might step into that and live into that. That's the forthtelling of a prophetic word. Does that resonate? With you. Have you ever experienced that where somebody's spoken an encouraging word into you and you've gone, oh man, I'm seeing something that's possible in my life that I didn't know before because God is speaking right now through somebody else. I love that. Gregory Phillips, I've mentioned him a few times in this series. He doesn't know I'm going to say this. I know he's here today. I don't know if he's in the room right now. Um, and this guy's just, he's, he's a part of our community. He's serving in the coffee area out here on Sundays and he does all kinds of stuff around here. Just such a man of the spirit and a prophetic person. So many times in my life, Gregory has texted me and said, hey, look, tell me if I'm off here, but this is just the sense I have for you or for the church. He's given me encouraging words through the years. Um, In the months leading up to us announcing that Matt Reynolds and I were going to be doing a pastoral transition, that I would be stepping into the lead pastor role, Gregory came up to me after a service at Midtown and he said, hey, look, tell me if I'm off here. But when I looked at you this morning, I just felt the spirit say to me, lead pastor, lead pastor. (laughs) He says, I don't know, maybe like, is God calling you to like plant a church or something? Like he's not even assuming he has the interpretation, right? Which is, this is how we're going to hold this gift. He says, I just want to tell you like the, the words that I felt like God say. I don't know if this is something that you've been praying about. And I said, Greg, you're amazing. I can't even tell you. Where we're, like we're not even ready to announce this yet. But thank you. It was a double confirmation. Lead pastor, lead pastor. But the, I, what an encouraging moment for me to even go, God, okay. I trust you, like we're on the right path here. I believe that you're, what we're all, what, what me and our board and, and what we're sensing here and stepping into that you're confirming through members of the body. What a beautiful gift prophecy is. I've, I have dozens of experiences like that that I could name today. But I love the, that idea of, of forth telling. So here's, uh, here's what I want to break down today. This verse 3 of chapter 14. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's what Paul says. I think this is a great framework for how we seek to carry what God is speaking through us into the lives of the people around us and how we just seek to speak to people around us. Whether you think that you've got divine revelation or not, you just want to encourage, you just want to speak into somebody Let's do it for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. These three words, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Strengthening, this word literally means to build up. In other other verses, it's translated as edify. So we see that in this chapter. 
to, to strengthen is to build up or to edify. In the Gospels, this word is only used to speak of literal buildings. So like the apostles going, hey, what about the temple building here? And when Jesus is saying, not one stone will be left on another, and they're referring to buildings themselves. That's that same word. Paul uses it all throughout his letters to speak of the building up of people and the building up of the, the church. He uses the body metaphor with this word a whole lot. We're a one body with many parts, and it's the body being built up. So like he, he, in, in chapter 12, uh, it's often around that metaphor, or he talks about the, the metaphor of a temple or a building that we're all being built together as a temple for the Holy Spirit. Once again, that word, uh, that word strengthening or edify is used over and over again. And in fact, this chapter, chapter 14, uh, is the place where this word is used the most, more than any other chapter in the New Testament, as he's talking about prophecy in the body of Christ that God wants to speak through you to strengthen, to edify, to build people, to build the church up. The second place, the chapter that gets it the second most times, is Ephesians 4, which is familiar as well. It's where Paul is once again talking about the body and that, uh, that the, uh, he talks about the you know, kind of five-fold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers all equipping the body for works of service that the body might be built up and become mature. This is Ephesians 4. There's actually a few verses in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Also in Ephesians 4, Paul says, We speak the truth in love that the body may be built up or edified. What an important way to think about that, speaking the truth in love. Anybody ever heard someone use that verse in a conversation? I just want to speak the truth in love. This is hard. This is a hard thing to hold. What I have found is that certain personality types like confrontation more than other personality types. Anybody ever experienced this? Maybe that's you. Let's just be honest. You know who you are if you like it, and you know who you are if you run from it. We both got to figure out how to do this thing, right? But so often it's the ones who like confrontation that love that verse, speak the truth in love. Now, what is Paul? I have to speak the truth in love, man. Okay, now get right. Like, so this is, how do we hold this? It's, if it's not for the building up, ultimately, you're not doing it right. If it's not for the sake of, of, of strengthening and building a person up, don't use a Bible verse to justify your desire to tear somebody down. And don't avoid a Bible verse because you're afraid of being torn down. We are called to build one another up. And that means doing hard things, having hard conversations. Even confrontation can be words of life. I experienced that this week. I had some beautiful confrontations with some dear brothers. This week that I'm going, oh man, I can see the future. I can see the fruit of this conversation and the, the garden God is growing among us because of the courage it took to say hard things. Hard things. You cannot have deep relationship without hard conversations, right? You can't run from it, and you got to know yourself. Know yourself. Do I enjoy this a little too much? What's God saying to me about that? Do I, am I afraid of this? What's that about? Both probably have something to do with your childhood. Go see a counselor. Do the work, all right? It's not what I'm here for today. 
<laughs> there are some great counselors in the room right now who do this work. Sign up with them and figure your stuff out. But this is, I mean it. I know it sounds sarcastic. I am so serious. We need emotionally healthy people in the body of Christ. But the words of the Spirit are always, come on, the, the God is speaking to you so that you might be built up. Are you, are you in touch with that? Are you awake to that? The words of the Spirit, the words of life that want to strengthen and build you up so that you can, you can grow into the potential that God has for your life, that there's more of you to be. And this is the agenda of the Spirit. I know sometimes you, we get into conversations with people and we're like, What's, what are you really trying to accomplish in this conversation? What's the ulterior motive here? The Spirit's motive is your strengthening. It's you being built up. Can we be people who that's our motive in the conversations we're having? Be people who speak the words of the Spirit into the lives of the people around us. That the prophecy is always for the sake of strengthening. It's for the sake of encouragement. This is uh, the Greek word periklesis, which is so interesting to me because when Jesus in, in John um, 14, 15, 16 talks about the, the spirit who's to come, the counselor, the advocate, that word for advocate is the word paraclete in Greek. And so there's the same root. That the, the spirit is the advocate. He's the one who's for you. He's for you. The spirit is, is coming alongside you and he's for you, for your encouragement. He's, he's here on your behalf. He is, he's given you the things that you need to succeed, if you will, in what God is calling you to do and to be in the world. And that our words, when the spirit is speaking through us and when we're getting it right, those words are para. Clasis. We're advocating on one another's behalf. It's uh, also translated as exhortation, encouragement or exhortation. This is the uplifting word. This is the coming alongside of and being for someone. You believe this, that God is for you, truly? He's for you. That doesn't mean that everything's about you. It's not. But God is for you. He's for you. He wants you to make it. He wants you to win, not at others' expense so that they lose, but this is, not, this is a non-zero-sum game, this thing of life in the kingdom of God. He wants you to win. He wants you to bear fruit that will last. The Spirit is for you, and our words, as, as God speaks through us, our words are meant to communicate to one another that God is for them and that we are for them. And if we're going to get there and walk in that, we've got to rid ourselves of the tendency towards competition and the tendency towards comparison and the tendency towards jealousy, which jealousy at its root says, if, if they have it, I can't. There's not enough for me. It's a scarcity thing, right? And so there's the abundance of the kingdom that has to just redefine our lives. If they have it, that means it's possible. What if that's how we thought? whoa, if, if that's what's happening in your life, then that means it's possible. Do you have friends, do you have people in your life, and you're like, you're, you, maybe you're tempted to be like, must be nice. Man, it must be nice. Everyone you know is struggling somewhere. Must be nice. 
What if that, what if you turned that into, oh my gosh, must, must be possible for me. That must be possible. If I'm seeing it in your life, it's possible. You got that raise, you moved to that place, you got that house, you had the, that family, whatever that thing is. Must be nice. It's possible. Encouragement, periclesis, exhortation to be for someone. Finally, comfort. The one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. This word shows up only one time in the entire Bible, and it's right here. And it means comfort. But specifically, it speaks to a drawing near. It's a presence. It's a coming toward. But the Spirit, I love this language of presence, the presence of God. So often, this is the word we use when we talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit in our lives. The presence of God. And sometimes there there are things that happen in our lives where we just need, we don't need somebody to come and fix it. We definitely don't need somebody's advice. What we need is someone who's willing to be present with us. Have you ever experienced the gift of presence from a friend or brother or sister or family member? Anybody? Have you ever experienced the opposite? And you're going, all I need is for you just to be here. But you keep messing it up. (laughs) Rob, (laughs) by trying to say something that will make it better. Presence. Presence. When, When the Spirit speaks through us, it's a word of comfort. What happens when, when you experience the gift of presence, the result of that is that you feel seen and known and acknowledged, that your life matters, that you're, where you're at right now matters and you're not alone in it. And it's Mother's Day. It's a, this is a, a beautiful day. It's an exciting day. For, for my family, this is like the perfect Mother's Day. It's amazing. We're dedicating our 19-month-old daughter, Lalia. My wife is pregnant with our second child. And both of our moms are here in the building. We've got a whole family, multi-generation celebration going on. We're going to be having some lunch at our house a little bit later. It's, a, it's an amazing Mother's Day. We, Kirby and I, we woke up this morning just going, gosh, can you believe it? But it hasn't always been that way for us. In fact, there were many Mother's Days on staff at Grace Midtown where we said, we're just going to take some PTO. Because it... I, we'd rather not be, put ourselves through it again. Not because we weren't happy for other people, but we were, the wound was just open for us. Seven years of trying to get pregnant. Um, there was one year we, uh, we were traveling, we were in Denmark with house fires. This was years ago. And I don't know if maybe they celebrated Mother's Day on a different day, but, or maybe it was just also Mother's Day here. And um, we were at this service, this church service, this little church in Denmark, and they were giving out flowers to all the moms. And, um, and it was, we were kind of in the middle of our fertility struggle. And it just hurt, it just hurt you know, to, to know what you don't have in your life in that moment. You're so aware of it. And to, not, to know that no one there really knows you, and so you just don't feel seen, or you kind of feel like passed over in that moment. And our friends, Pat and Meg, were there with us. And, um, and Meg got a flower and brought it over to Kirby, and she said, I, just, I can't imagine how hard this is right now. Um, and that didn't, like, fix it. But I think even just know, just being acknowledged, the, the, the wound being acknowledged, it's, there's a ministry there. There's a ministry of comfort and a ministry of presence. Um, there, there are women here today and watching online who want so desperately to be mothers, and that's just not your reality right now. And um, I just want you to feel seen and known here today. 
that there is room for you and your season in this community as we can celebrate and we can mourn at the same time because we're complex people, right? With multi-dimensions in our emotional capacity. And there are, people, there are mothers here today who have strained relationships with their children. And that hurts. And today's a reminder of that. And there are adult children here today who have strained relationships with their mothers, and that hurts. And this day is always a reminder of that. And you just hear me say there's room for you here today. You are seen, you are known, you are acknowledged, and there's space for you. And hopefully this can be a word of comfort in this moment. Maybe you'll experience the presence of the Spirit bringing comfort today too. So the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So often we use our words to tear down, to come against, and to move away from, to create distance and division. But when the Spirit speaks to us and through us, it's always to build up, to advocate for, and to draw near to us. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. This is the difference between blessing and cursing. And if we're honest, if I'm honest, I've used my words to curse. James talks about this. He says, can both salt and fresh water flow out of the same spring? No. Yet, when you use your words in this way, Choose. Choose whether you're going to bless or you're going to curse with your words. So many times I've, I've gotten that wrong. What would it be like to live a life that the people around me, when people encounter me, the people who know me the best, my wife, my kids, my friends, my family, that those people, when they're not in my presence, would say, oh, how have I experienced Rob? You know, he, he blessed me. He blesses me. His presence, his words, his life is a blessing. What would it be like for the people who encounter your house church, your community, your group of friends to say, oh, they blessed me. I don't even believe in God. (laughs) And they blessed me. I don't even, I think this whole Jesus thing is a joke, but man, they blessed me. When people experience Grace Midtown here in Atlanta, for them to say, oh, they, they blessed me. They blessed me. You can stand up with us today. And we're going to respond in worship. And we're going to receive the blessing of God in our lives, his words that strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And we're just going to say yes to being that, that voice, that mode of operation with our words, with our lives, and the world around us. So Jesus, we say yes to you. We want to receive your good word today. And we want our lives to be transformed to be a freshwater spring that flows out from us and touches and ministers to and blesses the world around us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.